kind of an intimate program, really, when you think about it. It's a source of intimacy for couples. Uh, maybe if you and your significant other, maybe you're just not connecting right now, we'll throw the show on in the background and enjoy it together. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. If you've listened to the show for any period of time, especially the last few months or last summer, you know that I love baseball. I love the Brewers. I love the slow burn of a 162-game season that takes all summer, starts in April and goes all the way to September, right? It's the soundtrack of our life for a couple of months, right? I remember events that happened to me based on whether the Brewers were hot at the time, who they were playing. I have such a specific memory of that week in May where the Brewers started losing, and they lost that that back-to-back to to, to Kansas City, and it was dark and rainy, and I remember it was springtime, and I had a friend who was in the middle of the move, and I was helping him. Like, we set our lives during baseball season to the soundtrack of Brewer games. I love it. The climax of the trade deadline, the rush of a pennant chase, if you're so lucky for your team to be in a pennant chase, as we've been lucky as Brewer fans. I love baseball. I love how takes evolve slowly over the course of a summer. It's not so flash and bang like football season reaction Monday let's go we're yelling no it's more sophisticated eh? I love baseball but I don't understand Major League Baseball the league at all like the officials the people in charge the front office last summer they didn't even want to have a season and they actively and in my opinion purposefully put rules into place that everybody hates and today they had their Hall of Fame induction yes today they had it today as in the middle of a Wednesday afternoon today what the hell? They're like, hey, uh, we're inducting Jeter and Simmons finally. Should we do it? Um, What if we did it Thursday night? It's a pretty good night for TV. Uh, we could we could do it on a weeknight before the NFL comes back. Get a lot of eyes. No, what? If, I got it. Wednesday afternoon at 2 p.m. What if we did it then? I love it. I love it. Everyone in the meeting loved that, huh? Baseball. I don't get it at all. We're going to talk a little baseball today. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. The Brewers are awesome, and this last week has been nuts. And that's what we're going to start with, just the insanity of the last six or seven games for the Brewers. Hot and cold. There have been no normal games in the last week. So I want to start with that. We're also going to talk a lot of Packers. This week is really the last chance we have to talk about whatever we want before we see an actual football game. Because once week one starts, and once we have a full slate of games on Sunday, and we have Packers-Saints, once that happens, we're kind of constrained. Right? We have to talk about Packers Saints. What did we see? What did we like? What concerns us? What players jumped out? What, what coaching decision is good? Right, all, all that. Then we're back into football mode. But for the next three days, today's show included, we kind of have a license to do whatever we want. Oh, you want to hype up this player that no one's ever heard of? All right, great. Until Sunday, nobody can prove you wrong. Right, The, the world is your oyster. Go to town. So today, I want to have what I am dubbing a Packers hot take special. And maybe you think of a better name and, and we can... I, I'm not married to that name. That's just kind of what I've coined it casually. It's what I have written down in my notes. Packers hot take special. Coming up at 4.30, I'm going to give you some things that I've been thinking about. I don't necessarily believe that they are true. I don't necessarily believe these takes. I certainly wouldn't bet on them. But they are takes that have creeped into the back of my mind. Certain opinions on players and position groups where I'm like, well, probably not, but maybe, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I'm worried about it, right? So I'm going to 
share with you a couple of those takes at 4.30, and then I'm going to hit Bart Winkler at 5.30. We're going to tap him in, the fan in Milwaukee, and I think the longest uh, recurring friend of show, him and Zach Heilpern, I think are 1A and 1B. I'm not sure who came on first, but they're neck and neck for longest time friend of show. We're just going to bounce some hot takes off each other at 5.30. I thought Bart would be the person to do that with, the perfect guest to just throw around some nonsense with and BS about the upcoming season. So he will join us at 5.30. Actually, we recorded the special yesterday. I will play it for you at 5.30. There's a little bit of a teaser on my Twitter, at Wisco Grant, and you can tweet me there during the show. Uh, This is how Bart reacted to one of my takes. Okay, like I thought we were presenting each other takes that are like hot but also realistic. This is, this take is ass. So Bart, one of my takes, uh, he did not agree with it. You'll have to listen. At 5.30 to figure out which take that is. 608-796-2558 is the talk and text line. Send me a text or give me a call. Like I said, you can tweet me at Wisco Grant as well. I want to start with the Brewers. We started with the Badgers yesterday. We talked about the opening game against Penn State and how it was really frustrating. Gave me a headache. Although most Big Ten football games give me a headache. It's just a tough watch sometimes. I love it. It's my heritage. It's in my blood. I'm a Big Ten football fan. I was raised that way. I can't help it. But it did give me a headache. And we talked about the frustrated fan reaction. How everybody responded to Graham Mertz essentially playing like pine pitch. We wanted him benched. We wanted him off the team. I don't want to hear about Graham Mertz anymore. The stupid merch that he's selling. His partnership with whatever barbecue shop in Madison that is. Right? Like, I'm over it. The hype makes me sick to my stomach because he was terrible. He's dog water. And we started recalling every average Wisconsin quarterback ever. Joel Stave, Cam Phillips, Danny Vandenboom, Jack Cohen, Bart Houston, who's my personal favorite. Our reaction may not have been reasonable. Maybe. Give it three weeks, and I guess we'll know. That's the beauty of Wisconsin's schedule this year. And Zach Heilpern pointed that out astutely last week. Penn State, Notre Dame, Michigan, all in the first month. We are going to know whether this Badgers team is good, whether they're okay, or whether they suck. Because we don't have to sit through a game against Florida Atlantic and a game against Kent State and a game against Illinois before we finally get to see them against some good opponents. We're going to know right off the bat. So in three weeks, maybe Graham Mertz will look like a completely different quarterback. Week one was an aberration and we overreacted. Or maybe not. Only time will tell. After the Brewers game last night, a game which they beat the Phillies 10 to nothing, I was lurking on Twitter a little bit and I was just reading the room. Very similarly to what I did after the Badger game on Saturday. I saw a lot of World Series talk. Everybody talking about how this could be a World Series team, including our friend from the zone in Madison, Rowdy. Me and Rowdy disagree, I feel like, on just about everything related to the Brewers. Management style, pitching management, roster management. We we just don't agree on much. And last night he tweeted this. This Brewers team just has that World Series feel. Yeah. Rowdy, there's some positivity. There's some excitement. I like that. Some optimism. If I'm seeing it from Rowdy, everybody else must feel the same way. Rowdy is a... A common man, a voice of the people, right? As is Ebo. But Ebo, I think, was asleep at the time, right? He went to sleep right after the game. He didn't bother with tweeting. He had bigger, better, more important things to do. A lot of tweets last night. I saw one that was like, hey, the Bucks just won a title. There's a great chance that the Packers and Brewers could maybe do the same, right? Everybody's thinking big picture, championship, champion, champion, World Series. People are buying in. Last night is a great example. And when your team wins 10 to nothing, right, fans will tend to buy in. And the Brewers, I believe, what's their record right now? Are they 30 games over 500? 85 and 55. Yep, 30 over right now. And in the standings, I don't have it in front of me. I suppose I could pull it up. Hold on. MLB. MLB standings. You guys love when I Google stuff on air. I know. Brewers are leading the Cincinnati Reds by 11 games. I mean, that division is 
That division's all but wrapped up, but we'll stay up to date with it, right? So we know the landscape, how many games above 500, how many up in the division. They're doing great. Last night, winning by double digits, shutting out the Phillies. Everybody's amped, right? Now, the Brewers could very well make the World Series, could win the World Series for a lot of reasons. Most of those reasons we've discussed all summer long. The starting pitching, obviously, which is only getting better as Eric Lauer and uh, Adrian Hauser pitch better and better. Right, and then the back end of the bullpen with Josh Hader. Anytime you have a closer like that, the Nationals won a World Series a couple of years ago. Their bullpen wasn't very good, but they had Sean Doolittle in the ninth, and he was a given. If you have that guy on the very back end who you can rely on, that feels like 50, 60, 70% of the battle with the bullpen sometimes. Then Willie Adamas, that trade has transformed this team, the personality of this team. And Willie Adamas has played in a World Series, as has Lorenzo Cain. Lorenzo Cain's won a World Series, so you have some playoff experience there. Christian Yelich is playing better and better by the day. We'll talk about that in about 15 minutes. And Craig Council is a fantastic manager, and he's great in September. He's been really, really good in the postseason. So we've talked about all those factors. We, I'm pretty sure we've hit all of them multiple times throughout this summer. These are the reasons why the Brewers could win the World Series. They've been written about in articles, blogged about podcasts, this show. Absolutely. That's not news to us. One thing we haven't talked about, and it's something I've noticed over the last six or seven days. This is unique to the last calendar week. This team can win in some really weird circumstances. Winning some really weird games in weird ways with weird final scores. Let me explain uh, with a comparison. I think this is the best way to do it. Yesterday, I tried to compare the Phillies to the Miami Heat. And the Miami Heat, the way that they were a thorn in the side of the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks were the better team, but for whatever reason, the Heat just they got it done. And up before last night, the Brewers were 0-5 against the Phillies this year. Now, part of that is they played them really early on when the roster wasn't great. They got blown out the other night, so I, I just had Phillies, Heat. I was, just, I, was, I was grasping at straws. Okay, I missed. Sorry. My bad. I was just trying to throw something out there. Here's my new comp. The Brewers are the Seattle Seahawks of Major League Baseball, at least over the last week or so, because they're winning weird, bizarre games. A couple of years ago, Kevin Clark, who covers the NFL for the ringer, used to be at the Washington Post, tweeted something like, the Seattle Seahawks have never played in a normal game of football. And every time I watch the Seahawks, I see that tweet resurface again and again and again because the Seahawks play weird games. Last year's a great example. I, I almost could do this from memory, but I pulled up their Wikipedia page for their 2020 season. And I'm just going game by game. And I remember these, all right? Now, week one against Atlanta, that was pretty close to a normal game. They beat the Falcons 38-25. But then week two, they beat the New England Patriots 35-30. Cam Newton stuffed on fourth down in the red zone on a play that could have won them the game over Seattle. And then the game was being monitored due to bad air quality because there were fires across Washington and Oregon. It looked really weird, like not a normal game. Then the Dallas Cowboys game, week three, right? Russell Wilson's playing like an MVP. They win in a shootout 38-31. Right, Dak Prescott throws a game-ending interception. It's back and forth. Not a normal game. Just a wild, wet, 325 game. I guess this is the afternoon game, but it had Joy Buck uh, and Troy Aikman. Week four at the Dolphins. I didn't watch that game. I don't think anybody did. They won 31-23. Okay. Week five against the Vikings. You know this game. This is a weird game. Seattle went to 5-0, and but Minnesota was right there. And if Dalvin Cook just hits the hole in the spot he's supposed to on Sunday Night Football, they could have won in prime time. And Russell Wilson won for like the millionth time in the row against the Vikings. He's 7-0, and career against Minnesota. Then they play Arizona in week seven. Remember this game where the kickers were trading missed field goals in overtime? And you're like, oh my God, neither one of these teams want to win. You thought it was maybe going to end in a tie, and thank God it didn't, right? Weird game after weird game after weird game. The game against the Bills in week nine, where Buffalo just 
runs the ball everywhere on them. Just smashing. No, no, no. Not not running. Excuse me. Pass the ball everywhere. And you remember what Pete Carroll said after the game? He was like, "Uh, we didn't expect him to throw the ball that much. We thought they'd run it a little more. Like, what? Why would you say that? We thought they'd uh, run the ball a little bit more. We weren't really prepared for them throwing the ball all over the place. Remember this? It's all coming back to me. All these Seattle games I watched last year, because we're always watching Seattle. They're an interesting team. They're always on TV. Russell Wilson is interesting, and everybody wants to prop him up as an MVP, even though he's not, and he never will be. They always play in weird games, the Seahawks. The Brewers haven't played in a normal game since last Wednesday. Last Wednesday, they beat San Fran 5-2. Run-of-the-mill score. I don't know what the total was on that game, but I'm assuming it was around 7 or 8. It shaped up as it was about supposed to. The Brewers were a good team. They beat another good team. Normal game. Since last Wednesday, this is this is the games we're talking about. Thursday, it was tied 1-1 in the eighth after Eric Lauer goes seven innings. Then there's a bum review that keeps the eighth inning going. And then the Giants get a three-run home run that maybe shouldn't have been there because the review went against the Brewers. That's nothing new. The Brewers lose 5-1. to Adamas hits a home run in the ninth. But that's that's brought back through a review, and then Council gets tossed. Friday, the Brewers lose 15-4. to Hardly a normal game. Freddie Peralta goes two innings. Saturday, Adrian Hauser follows that mess up by throwing a complete game shutout, the first in like a 1,000 regular season games. Adrian Hauser, who's by my estimation the fourth or fifth best starting pitcher on the staff, not a normal game. Monday, the Brewers get smoked 12-0. And then yesterday, they win 10-0, and Eric Lauer goes seven shutout for the second game in a row. Not shutout last week, but he went seven against the Giants. Eric Lauer. Eric Lauer. Adrian Hauser. All of those games I just mentioned were within six days of each other. Very Seahawkish. Not playing normal games. Not normal final scores. Just nothing normal about this last week. And that's a good thing. Now, I would love for my Brewers to win every game 10 to nothing. It's not how baseball works. I would love for them to never have any issues. And I would love for never any weird things to go on. But I think this last week has been a good lesson, and it's been good experience for the Brewers. Tim Dillard mentioned it in the postgame last night. Very astute from Tim Dillard, who, by the way, friend of show. Should we get Tim back on? I have his phone number. Let me check, actually. Is it still in my contacts? I got a new phone. We should, you know what we should do? I'm going to text him over this commercial break and see if he answers. We'll do it on air. We'll turn it into some Tim Dillard. Hold on. I'm going to look at my contacts. He's been on the show once. Come on, Grant. Tell me you saved it. I did save it. Yes! <laughs> I have some coworkers who I talk to once or twice a week whose numbers aren't saved, but I saved Tim Dillard's number. Let's text him. We'll text him during the next segment. Friend of show mentioned this on the postgame last night. This team can bounce back after a bad game. They have a short memory. They can adjust on the fly. They can win a game after getting blown out the day before. Right, and that's important. And Tim Dillard said, if you get waxed in the playoffs by 10 runs, you don't have time to worry about it. You got to come back the next day and compete because if you lose the next day, That's two in a row, and that's two out of seven games you can't afford to lose. You're halfway to being eliminated from a playoff series. You need to be able to come right back, and the Brewers have done that. They've followed up a really bad performance with a great one, and then they did so again last night. It was against the Cardinals. They lost 15-4. Then Adrian Hauser throws a shutout, and then two days ago, they get smoked 12-0, and then yesterday, they win 10-0. Now, at some point, I would like for some equilibrium to return to this team. I want Freddie Peralta to go deeper into games, and I don't want the Brewers to lose 12-0 and Brandon Woodruff to have a bad outing. But over the course of a regular season, which is about getting better and learning and accumulating wins, but also it's for Craig Council to figure out how to best manage his team. You're you're accruing data for 162 games, and you're learning. You're getting smarter. So when the games really start to matter in late September and in October, you have the best idea on, on how to go about your business. 
If this last week is viewed as a learning experience for the Brewers, I think they've learned quite a bit. And we've learned that this team isn't phased by much because they've played in some weird games and they've been able to bounce back and continue winning. They'll go, they go for the series tonight against Philly. It's also worth mentioning that the Seahawks, who I think are an apt comparison for the Brewers, really have some devil magic going on. Like, I don't, I don't know what it is. that You think they're out of games and they never are. You think they win games and then they never do. Like the Super Bowl against the Patriots. They had that locked down until they didn't. And then the 2014 NFC Championship game, two weeks before that Super Bowl, is like, well, the Packers had that locked down over Seattle in, until they didn't. I like that little bit of devil magic, that weird, non-tangible juice to a team that's just never dead, and they lose when they're supposed to win and win when they're supposed to lose. And, like, I like that wild card factor that's not really describable, but if you've watched the Seahawks running like the time, you know what I mean. And if you watched the Brewers the last week, you know what I mean. Some people who were at Sunday's Brewer game, and then they left. They will never do that again. This week has been a lesson for them as well. They missed out on a walk-off Grand Slam. Daniel Vogelbach, pinch hitting. Okay, let's take a break. I want to talk about Christian Yelich because he's been on a tear. Is he back? I don't know. Let's do this conversation. This has been an ongoing investigation. Let's talk about Yelich coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show my name grant bills an update i've texted tim tim dillard you want to hear what i said uh, critique me if this is a good message would you want to come on my radio show if this is if this is the text you got that's what i said hey tim my name is grant bills you joined my radio show a year or so ago before you were with bally sports i love what you add to the pre and post game and you've been a great addition to the broadcast would you be willing to come back on and talk brewers with me sometime my show runs four to six and airs in Lacrosse, Madison, and Eau Claire. Let me know. Take care, Tim! Exclamation point. Um, there's only two exclamation points in the whole message. I feel like that's measured. That's good. It's brief, but not too brief. Hopefully, that jogs his memory. And he's like, oh, I remember going on with that guy. He was really weird. He asked me about Jerry Augustine and what Jerry's like. I think that's what we talked about. I'm like, what's Jerry Augustine like? I want to talk about the breaking ball. If Tim gets back to me during the show, I will I will pass the message along to you. Watch him say, why don't you go pound sand and stop texting me? Whatever. Sometimes you got you to gotta shoot your shot. We're shooting our shot with Tim Dillard today. I can't believe I saved his phone number. The phone number to reach me, if you would so like, 608-796-2558. That's the talk and text line. Dan texts in with a Packers hot take. Today is our Packers hot take special. Let's get it all out there. Anything you're worried about, anything you've thought about, anything that's even crossed your mind about this season. You don't have to believe it. You don't have to bet money on it. But just anything that you've thought about. Any hot take. Let's get it all out there today. I will share with you some of mine coming up in about 10 minutes. And in an hour, Bart Winkler will join us and he will share with us some of his hottest takes. Uh, Dan says, I, actually, Dan, you know what? I'm going to save this. I'm going to save this because we're doing brewers right now. So, Dan, you will be, uh, to use a radio term, you'll be first out of the shoot coming up next. All right, I will get to your hot take, which I love. First, let's go to the phones because we're talking Brewers right now, how the Brewers have won weird games over the last week, which I like. That shows resiliency. That shows that they can win in different ways. And it shows, like the Seattle Seahawks, I think they got a little devil magic, and sometimes you need a little bit of that to win titles. Let's go to the phones. Binks in lacrosse. Binks, how are you? Uh, doing just fine. Doing just fine. I'll tell you what. Let's promise not to talk to each other about that complete game that was needed out of uh, Adrian Hauser. Yeah. But I have a feeling that he, I, 
he went to council, and I think he said, "Give me the ball." And uh, he he threw one heck of a game, dude. I he really did. liked what he threw. I was impressed. I agree with you. He's a third or fourth starter. Uh, your analogies. Um, uh, actually, real first, <laughs> what 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 is the best word that you can come up with for Daniel Vogelbach's walked off grand slam? Mm. What is the best word? Ooh. Do you have a do you have one? Um, I, I just got epic. That's all I've got, man. Epic. Uh, what about? Because I'm I'm going to try to be a jerk with this. Like I could just say awesome or something. What about? Uh, encapsulating because I think in that moment like that summed up this entire Brewer season so what about like that like that swing that home run explains this entire yeah. season to date so far so I thought I was like encapsulating what do you think of that there you go there you go I mean it just it was just I thought it was just it was just one I have never seen anything like that mm-hmm. and uh, for a guy like Daniel Vogelbach who's been out for so long and and, uh, you know, we've talked, you and I have talked about him all season, but epic. Yeah, um, I want to go back to your comments about, uh, you know, comparing what's been going on up and down uh, peaks and valleys, if you will, with the Brewers and the Seahawks, whatnot. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, can, can we just throw in, uh, we just got to throw this in there. What about the injuries? Mm-hmm. Uh, has, has the injury to... Uh, not so much Adamus, but Freddie Peralta in his, you know, two to three week absence mm-hmm. in the rotation. Has that has that disrupted the pitching rotation such that you see this curve, uh, you know, this up and down and up and down? But you know what? Don't get me wrong. I love the ups. I mean, those are great. But mm-hmm. I mean, when you lose like that, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm shutting this off, man. I'd I'd, I'd rather <laughs> I'd rather watch reruns of dynasty or something so the other uh um, the other night when the brewers lost what was it? it was on monday when they lost what 12 to nothing or whatever i turned the game off when it was like six to nothing and then i checked yeah. the scores like oh so i didn't see those last couple of innings and how bad it actually got what i will say about peralta leaving the lineup binksy is we, we've always said that starting pitching leads to consistency right if you have good starting pitching yep. i think your team is going to be balanced now you might still lose games but your team is going to be balanced and consistent and you're going to take care of the bad teams and you're going to be in most games. I think when you lose a guy like Freddie Peralta, your team just becomes a little bit more volatile, right? Like you you have a possibility now to lose a game 12 to nothing. Whereas if all your starting pitchers are healthy, you might lose games, but you're probably not going to get shut out and lose 12 to zero. Does that make sense? Right. Yes, it does. And I I guess my, it kind of comes in with another question underneath that. Does that, you're kind of seeing Brandon Woodruff kind of run out of gas a little bit earlier. Do you think he's being, do you think, uh, what did I say, uh, Brandon Woodruff, do you think he's running out of gas earlier because he feels pressured, more pressured mm. in the absence of Peralta? Hmm. That's an interesting one. Can you get what I'm saying? Y- yeah, I-, I can answer that. First of all, I gotta, we got to take a break and get to Packers, so i got to let you go. I appreciate this. I think you brought out some really great yep. points. I appreciate your call, man. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Yeah, take care, Binksy. That's Binks in lacrosse. Uh, Woody running out of gas. I don't think he is running out of gas. He had two tough starts, once against the Cubs. He only won a couple of innings. And then once against the Cardinals, where it was just one bad inning. And then he had two really good starts. And then the other day, he didn't quite have it. I don't know that it was velocity. I don't know that it was fatigue. I just think it was command. He just didn't have it that day. Now, 
Maybe Brandon Woodruff is becoming fatigued and maybe is running out of gas, but I don't think that's because of the pressure he's feeling without Peralta. It's just a really long season, right? And I think that's why Council is hesitant to let these guys go seven, eight innings or let that pinch count get above, you know, 100 pitches or whatever. Just be, I, that's why you protect these guys is because you don't want them to run out of gas. Right, Banksy? Really quick, let's go back to the phone. 608-796-2558. We're going to get to the Packers hot take special coming up next. But first, uh, the talk and text line. Who is this? Welcome to the show. David. David, welcome. What's going on? Uh, I'm going to keep harping on getting a special teams coach. <laughs> it's, you know, to, to go from being in the, in the bottom five just go up to the top 10. I think special teams is the new defense in that way. Where for years with the defense, right, we're like, hey, just be like top half of the league. Is that where we are with special teams now? It feels like this is never ending. Where the offense is there and we're just begging for the other two units to come around, right? You know, he's fixed. Gutekunst has fixed a great number of things over the last three, four years. Mm-hmm. But this is the easiest fix of all. They've got the money to do it. Hire a guy from a team that has been in the top five for a few years. If you can't get the head man, get the number two man. It's hard to win. Yeah, it's hard to win. I think special teams, and David, thank you for the call, and we're about to get into Packers, so thank you for putting this up on the tee, and and you're our our transition man. You're going to lead us into Packers now. Thank you, David. I, I think special teams is like, if we're doing analogies here, special teams is like a bullpen. Like, you can win games with bad special teams, and you can be a good team, but against other really good teams and high-leverage moments in the playoffs, it's really hard to win without a good bullpen. It's really hard to win close games without special teams because that's what controls field position. That's where you can buy an extra three or four points on the margins. And where have the Packers lost in the playoffs over the last decade? They've lost in the margins, right? Stupid little things against Seattle or stupid little things against Tampa where they're losing the field position battle in the return game or they're turning the ball over on returns or they're you know flopping uh, on a two-point conversion or whatever. Special teams is is the bullpen, right? You can win without it, but at some point it's going to catch up to you. Why don't we talk about special teams coming up next, David? David, that can be your hot take. We're going to do Packers hot takes. It's our hot take special today. What are you worried about? What are you predicting? What be bold, okay? Shoot for the stars because we're gonna, we're going to not be held responsible for any of this. Because once the game starts on Sunday, then we'll be serious. But this week, let's have fun. Let's kick around some wild possibilities. Be insane. Be outrageous. Be outlandish as possible. Packers hot takes coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, my name is Grant Bills. We got to hurry because this hot take special with Bart is 20 minutes of sparkling, fantastic content. We got to start it, otherwise, we're going to run out of time. Ross the Sauce Man texts in, bring back McAfee calling games. I don't think you're alone. Downtown Billy says Buck and Aikman are the best in the league and Kevin King is going to be really good. There's the hot take. Thank you, Billy. Also, Jeremy and Scani tweets in. Says Hauser and Ashby as tandem four-starter and Lauer as emergency longman. I like that. I don't like burning Lauer and Hauser on the same day. It feels like that's counterproductive. You get flexibility from having them both and if you force them to pitch on the same day, you lose that flexibility. More on that, I'm sure, in the weeks to come. As of right now, our friend Bart Winkler at Winks Thinks on Twitter, our hot take special. Enjoy. Bart Winkler, the fan in Milwaukee and longtime friend of show. Bart, this is a big week in lacrosse because students are back in town. And we've been BSing the last two days about how we can attract student listeners because that's such a big audience now that has returned to this area. And we're trying to 
trying to tap into that. And I always have to bring up the fact that you also went to UW Lacrosse. Uh, you're a brilliant marketing mind. Do you have any advice on how I can market my show better to the, the 18 to 22 demographic, how I can get in there? You want to attract that demographic in 2021? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you're going to need a time machine to go back when there's only radio. Hey, see, people are always like, oh, young people don't listen to sports radio. No, I'm going to I'm gonna make that exist. I'm going to make it a thing. I don't know. Uh, it's not as represented. They don't call in is the thing. Exactly. So if they don't call in, you, you think they don't exist. You know, not every guy that listens to sports radio is some 73-year-old making his last call to you, you know? Yeah, no, I, I understand that. I'd like to think there are already a bunch of them listening. They just uh, they just don't call in. We need to grow that audience. I'm brainstorming with, uh, with listeners this week on how we can best do that. Bart, the reason I asked you on is I had this idea this weekend. I'm like, okay, it's the last week before week one. Let's get all the hot takes out there. Let's get all the, the overreactions, the things that, like, once we have actual games aren't really on the table anymore. It's like, let's get it all out there. Anything that has crossed our mind, any hot take that we've thought about, even if we don't believe it, like anything we've thought about is all fair game. Would you like to start or would you like me to start? Uh, I would like you to start. Mine are so scorching hot that I need them to cool off before I present them in public. We need to ease into the the hot tub. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Number one, I don't think you'll disagree with this because we might have already talked about this. Uh, Josh Myers might suck and the offensive line could be a problem. And I don't think anybody's thinking about that. Maybe, like I said, I, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but I'm saying it could because last year Rogers took a career low in sacks, nowhere to really go, but down after that, I don't think they're going to have a better year than last year. I like that. They didn't pay a ton of money for Corey Lindsley because I don't think the difference between an all pro center and an average center is huge. Like it would be for like a tackle or a wide receiver or a corner. But I don't even know that Josh Myers will be average. And if you're starting Royce Newman and you're without Bakhtiari, I just think there's some disaster potential there, especially because you have Khalil Mack, Daniil Hunter in the division. And then they have Nick Bosa, TJ Watt, and that Washington defensive line all before week seven. Like, I just, I think that could be bad. I sort of think that the offensive line won't be as big of a problem. I do agree with you. I think the Josh Myers thing, there's, there's a lot of stuff like about a quarterback center relationship yeah. that we just take for granted. Like, First of all, here's a fun fact at the bar in trivia. You say, which position touches the ball on every play? And they'll say, oh, that's quarterback, Grant, you moron. And you'll say, no, it's not. It's the center. (laughs) It it is the center. But now Rodgers has to get used to this. Just even whether it's under the center or just the snap count and the shotgun, there's going to be some differences there. So there could be a fumbled snap or two. I think for the most part, the offensive line depth is better than in the past, but the starting five maybe isn't as better. That is an interesting one because you are starting two rookies. I'm not I'm not sure if it's this is a big deal because there's no other like big deal to talk about. Sure. Or this is a big deal because yo, you're starting two rookies on an offensive line. You did everything you could to make sure this team was a you know Super Bowl or bust team. You are all in. You know a bunch of these guys might not be able to be resigned your top quarterback and your top receiver specifically, yet you're you're going to walk into week one with two rookies on the offensive line. It is sort of like they're doing one thing, but that's the one thing holding them back. Yeah, they're all in while also starting a rookie at center. And you can't be all in at every single position, but it is something interesting. And we've been so used to good center play and good offensive line play forever. I'm not willing to ignore that as a possibility just because, well, Corey Lindsley was great and Scott Wells is great and Josh Myers is also from Ohio State, so he will be great too. Like, I just, that's a concern of mine. 
it has disaster potential. I'm not saying it will be a disaster. I think the Packers are pretty good about getting whatever they can from the offensive line. Very similar to the way that Craig Council gets whatever he can from the Brewers. I think there's some parallels there. Uh, there's the council mention, even though this is a Packers segment. Uh, hit me with one of your hot takes, something that you've thought about. All right, hot take number one from your boy Bart. The two-game suspension for Jay Sternberger saved his career, Ooh. and he will finish the season on the Packers' active roster. He will be placed on it week three, and he will ride on the active roster throughout the season. They don't want to give up on him. Like, all of these tight ends are good, okay? Mm -hmm. Robert Tunyon can do a lot of things. I mean, he can score touchdowns, and he can run most of the routes. Big dog. Big dog. Great blocker. You know, good safety net. Josiah DeGuara, we're going to find out. Dominique Daphne is going to be a good blocker, and he'll he'll have some weird 50-yard touchdown where he slips through and nobody's defending him. But Sternberger, I think better than any of these guys, can do that route. That Jermichael Finley route, where you go over the middle as a 6'5 dude, and it doesn't matter who's covering you, you're going to catch the ball for 20 yards downfield, and the Packers need a guy like that. So even though they have four tight ends, at some point, big dogs going on the injured list. You know, they've got other guys that, you know, somebody's going to get cut right now that's a practice squad, not a practice squad, but a special teams body, essentially. Sure. I don't think they want to give up on Jay Sternberger. I say the suspension buys him the two weeks, buys him a spot on this roster, finishes the season as a pack. Okay, so Sternberger, it's been said, bad practice habits, doesn't know the playbook. Do you think Sternberger needed to bottom out with a suspension like this so then he could like he could point to this as a turning point? Like, hey, the suspension, like this is when I really realized I got to get my, my ducks in a row. Like, it gives him a chance to apologize, to publicly kind of, as a player, hit rock bottom so then he can move on like maybe weirdly the suspension isn't just a roster opportunity but it's like uh, a PR opportunity too I think he's hit rock bottom already okay I I think he like in terms of looking at where's my career because there's he's talked a lot about how this needs to be the time this needs to be the time the suspension to me gave him the time I, it it's buying him two weeks sure. to have something else happen and this is going to be a season where the hidden little secret in America is that we are still in a pandemic. Yep. And like maybe a worse one mm-hmm. than, than before. So you're going to see a lot of guys miss games and you're going to need these full practice squads of 16. You're going to need guys like Jay Sternberger hanging around. I, I think that it bought him time and I think that he stays on the roster. I love that take. Bart Winkler, the fan in Milwaukee, longtime friend of show and UWL Eagle. I don't know why I bring that up. It's just I, if I can bring it up, I'm going to bring it up. I have a tight end take and I love yours and I love mine. They're kind of contradictive, but I love them both. I don't necessarily believe that this is true, but the ammo is there to make this argument. So I'm going to make it. Josiah DeGuara will be the best tight end on the Packers this season. I have four bullet points, four and a half. I'm going to give them to you. Number one, he fits this offense perfectly, even better than Robert Tunyon because he loves blocking. I know you watch all the pressers. Jason Vrabel, the wide receivers coach a couple weeks ago, talked about Alan Lazard like he's Jerry Rice, all because he loves to block. They love that in Green Bay. Number two, I think Sternberger is ass, even worse than most people think. (laughs) So, like, this is just as much an anti-Sternberger take as anything else. Number three, and this is this is something I think you'll love. We punished Josiah DeGuara because he was taken in a draft with A.J. Dillon and Jordan Love. let's say if Goody in 2020 takes a wide receiver, a D lineman, and then DeGuara, I think we'd view him differently 
through no fault of his own. And we'd say things like, oh, he can learn under Mercedes Lewis. No, like, we view him differently if he's taken in the seventh round. Oh, or that too. And not two days before he thought he was going to be taken when he was sleeping in his mom's house. Yes, yes, yes. Pick. Along those same lines. So that's not the fault of DeGuire. That's the fault of the draft and the position where he was drafted. I think we would view him differently if some of those factors had changed. And finally, this is an interesting one. I think the Packers and Goody have reason and and motivation to make him work because Goody for two years has been told that that draft sucks, whether it does or not. He's heard it time and time again. He's already had to cut Kamal Martin. And then last week, he's puffing his chest out about Jordan Love. Like, oh, we've seen all we need to. He's been great. Like, he wants to prove that that draft, despite all the criticism, is really, really good. So I think they have motivation to play DeGuara and feature him. And also, Tunyon had his best career season ever. He has nowhere to go but down. And Mercedes Lewis is old, like you said. So there you go. DeGuara breakout season. Okay, like I thought we were presenting each other takes that are like hot, but also realistic. This is, this take is ass. You don't think this is realistic? Dude, DeGuara is a, DeGuara is a novelty piece. He's not going to, he's not going to have more than 15 snaps in any game. Oh, damn. I was really hoping I'd get you on this one. I'm not going to lie. I'm not buying DeGuara at all. Really? Okay, well, I'm not necessarily either. I just, if there's an argument to be made, I'm, I'm going to be that guy. I get excited about him and I know... Like, we lump him into that draft as guys they didn't need, guys they overdrafted, and like, oh, he made that one sick block against Minnesota before getting hurt. Oh, so sick. Like, I, I get the DeGuara discourse. I just, I think the pieces are there. That's, that's the whole point. It's like, maybe. I just argued for Jay Sternberger, so <laughs> who am I? What leg do I have to stand on? <laughs> that's very true. Bart, do you have another hot take? I do, and this one's on the defensive side of the ball, and Eric Stokes is gonna, is gonna have more interceptions than any Packers had since 2012 when Casey Hayward had six of them. No Packers had more than five in a season since. I'm going to give Eric Stokes at least six interceptions, and I'm going to do that from my brilliant take a year ago where I said if you have one all-pro corner, it's a waste unless you have two. So last year, Kevin King got picked on and Shannon Sullivan got picked on Mm -hmm. because nobody threw over by Jair. And what quarterbacks and teams are going to do is say, well, we ain't throwing a Jair. All we hear about is how great he is, and it's true. And so let's throw it the other way. And once Stokes is established in this defense, which could be as soon as Sunday, Stokes is going to prove that, hey, I'm here to play, man. I am here to play. I've already beaten up Kevin King. That wasn't that hard. And I'm going to pick off the ball and be a ball hawk. So I like six interceptions out of Eric Stokes. This season. I like that. And they have Jameis week one. They have Goff twice. Maybe a rookie at some point in Justin Fields who I like, but maybe looser with the ball. Big Ben sucks. Maybe there's something there. Um, Who else do they have? I mean, Kirk Cousins is always good for a few. I like that. And I don't think anybody's going to target Jair. I'm just, I'm glad that you stuck it to Eric Stokes and not like the other corner will have more picks than Jair. I like how you put a name to it. I I really like it. Well, it could be, and I I was just going to back off a little. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say that. But I was going to bring up one of the safeties. Like, it could be Amos and it could be Savage. Sure. Someone's getting six interceptions on this team. And it's not Jaya. No. <laughs> but it, it, I'm going to go with Eric Stokes. And remember, there is another game. So whenever we do these stats, there is another game this season. And I like it to be Eric Stokes. I like that a lot. I have a defensive hot take as well. And this one is concerning. I think Zadarius Smith will play fewer than six games this season. This is, just, this is a gut feeling. I don't have any medical information here. I know that's a shock to you. I don't have sources in the organization. I know you're a grinder, Bart, and you listen to all these pressers, some of them twice, I'm sure, as to not miss anything. 
Malifleur hasn't said a single thing about Zadarius Smith's injury that makes me feel better about it. And I know we practiced the other day, and that's nice, and I hope I'm wrong. And I also don't think Zadarius is vaccinated based on some comments and uh, guerrilla reporting from our own Mike Clemens, who is in Green Bay. So I, like, I don't know if you can disagree. I'm just saying that like, I'm concerned that Zadarius Smith is going to miss a lot of the season. Interesting. Interesting. I've got uh, one guerrilla report for you, I like and this. I don't know what this means. I was at the Jets game. And as part of our luxurious ticket package, we were able to go to a place I didn't know you could go to, and that's the Lambeau Field roof. And so that's on, like, floor eight. Really? Okay. Yeah, you can be on the roof and, like, look down at all the peons. <laughs> and so I left to go back to four, floor four, and my brother, who had stayed up for just a couple more minutes to soak it in and see the beautiful Wisconsin landscape where you look over Green Bay and you see all trees and one hospital sticking out of the ground. Kmart. Uh, yes, the Kmart in the big lots in the <laughs> Shopco. And, and like nine Ponderosas. Of course. He came down a few minutes later, rode an elevator with Zedaria Smith. Ooh. Who, for some reason, was not anywhere where he should have been, you would think. See? He was on the seventh floor of the suites. So what's he doing up there? Was he wearing a mask? He was wearing a mask per reports. Mm, per a source close to the situation. I love this. We're corroborating evidence here. We're teaming up and we're, we're triangulating this thing. I'm just worried, man. I'm worried because we saw it with Daniel Hunter and Zimmer where it's like, oh, he's got a tweak. We're optimistic, blah, blah, blah. And then he misses the whole friggin' season. I don't know. I'm concerned. That's, that's I don't know that we can just speculate if guys are vaccinated or not. That feels weird. I'm obviously an advocate for the vaccine. Yeah. I just. Uh, Is it creepy? Is it an invasion of privacy? Is that what you're saying? No, people should get vaccinated for me. Oh, we should oh. do it for our common man. Yeah, for especially just, for you. That's fair. But I just think between this injury thing and I, I don't know, I, I feel like we've enjoyed some pretty good health, especially with our start offensive players. And I feel like that luck might run out this year. I believe you have a Randall Cobb hot take. You said, do we want to wrap up with that? Yes, my Randall Cobb take, which I have floated to my listeners a few times already this week. I'm so proud of it. <laughs> and I have the evidence to back it up or at least. I can take you on this journey with me. My first initial thought, Grant, is that Randall Cobb's not going to be a big part of the offense, so I threw out a number, 25 catches or less Mm -hmm. for Randall Cobb in 2021. And you would think, Bart, even in Houston's offense last year, he had some 30 catches, and with the Cowboys, he had 55. And if he only has 25, that would be the lowest he's had since his rookie year with the Packers when he had 25 catches. And I think, well, let's go back to that rookie year with the Packers. They had Jordy Nelson and they had Greg Jennings with about 70 catches, the high 60s, low 70s. They ate a bunch of the targets. Jermichael Finley was there. They had a lot of guys that could. Donald Driver was still there. They had that Sports Illustrated cover of receivers in that offense that put up a ton of points. This is a team that went 15-1, and and Randall Cobb was able to scratch out 25 catches. So you look at this year. Well, how many, first of all, how many catches are there to go around? Aaron Rodgers, two of the last three seasons, has thrown 372 completions. Mm-hmm. Now, let's add one game. So, let's say let's say he has a game, 28 for 40, whatever. Uh, that's about average. So, now, well, I am working with you right now with 400 catches. There are 400 catches to go around in this offense. So, Grant, about how many do you think Devontae Adams will have over a 17-game season? Uh, he had 115 last year, and he missed time. So I would say more than that, more than 115. And what do you feel like MVS's role will be catch-wise? MVS had about 30 last year. I think he will be much better this year. So I would say like 40 to 50 catches maybe. 
Yeah, I'm going to say at least maybe, 50 Maybe even more, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking like 60. Okay, I like that. Uh, Alan Lazard, what's his role in this offense? He missed a lot of time last year, but probably one standard deviation below MVS, whatever that is. You probably have a number, so I'll just throw it to you I'd now. say 40, there 40 for Lazard. Bobby Tunyon, he's got to catch one. Factor 50. in the DeGuara breakout season as well now. Well, even all these tight ends. The, the tight end's going to catch what, 60? 60 total minimum? Something like that, yep. Between the tight ends? And then you have Aaron Jones, so he's probably going to catch another 30. Mm -hmm. Then you've got some other catches to go around with the running backs. When you add everything up, if you give MVS these catches, I I factored there's going to be about 45 catches for Amari Rodgers and Randall Cobb to grab. Amari Rodgers is going to play more than Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb, when's he going to play? He also might get hurt. The factor's higher for him than others. How many times? So they got six receivers. What a great problem to have. Let's not count Taylor for a second. You got five. How many times are they running five receiver sl- sets? Never. Okay, not a lot. How many times are they running Randall Cobb outside of the slot? They didn't bring him here for that. Randall Cobb, he had his opportunity when Jordy went down that year to show that he could play outside of the slot. Didn't do it. It was not a good year for him. Not a good year for Cobby. So when you need a guy in the slot, well, Amari you drafted for, mm-hmm. you're going to work Devontae in there a bunch, mm-hmm. and even maybe Alan Lazard, or what about all the times that you're going to try two running backs? Or three tight end sets. The Packers just don't have the snaps to go around, the catches to go around, and the scheme to go around to give Randall Cobb this season more than 25 catches unless Rodgers forces him throws like I do to my receivers in Madden if it's one quarter and they haven't gotten anything and they're yeah. my all-time stud. So I'm saying 25 or less catches for Randall Cobb. Do you ever think about going to law school? That was fantastic. You like that argument? I, I, that's not even a hot take. That just seems like fact now. Yeah, I argued it as fact. And I agree. I didn't think you would go to such depths. I agreed from the get, but the way that you laid out an argument, and I love that you your presentation and your voice was so cocky and confident, that made me like it even more. Well, it's great. It was great because now that we're, we're doing this together and you're hearing it for the first time, I can do this after I've tried to do this already on air four or five times throughout <laughs> the week, and I've bungled it every time. Well, my, so you uh, got you yeah. got the finished product when normally what I give my listeners is the rough draft. I appreciate that, and my listeners do as well. Bart, oh, I got another hot take for you, sir. One more? Yes. Hit me. The Packers will beat the Saints by a larger number than Wisconsin beats Eastern Michigan. Really? I like yes. that. Yes. So you're connecting our teams now. I am connecting our teams. Synergy. Okay, so the okay, so the spread against the Saints. Wait, that's as much of an anti-Badgers take as it is a pro-Packers take. Yes, it is, sir. You came to that on your own conclusion, but that's true. Yeah, I'm a fan of that take. I don't know that I'd bet money on it, but that's not what these hot takes are for. This is about throwing something out there, and if you're right, we're cocky about it. And if we're wrong, we say that this never was serious and it was just for fun anyways. That's the radio, Grant. <laughs> Thanks, Bart.